I'm now joined by Bruce Levine, CEO of Nightshares, who in my opinion has two of the most intriguing new ETF launches this year. The Nightshares 500, ticker NSPY, and the Nightshares 2000 ETF, ticker NIWM. These both launch back at the end of June and seek to capture what's called the night effect, which we'll certainly get into. Uh, Bruce is now joining me from the San Francisco area. Bruce, great to finally connect. Welcome to the podcast. Oh, it's great to be here. Thanks for having me, Nate. Well, how have the uh, the last few months been since these launch? I feel like I've seen you everywhere, <laughs> media-wise. I know you rang the uh, bell at the New York Stock Exchange. Uh, what have the last few months been like? Yeah, it's been really fascinating. Uh, you know, this thing we call the night effect, uh, was sort of hiding just under the surface of a lot of people's consciousness. They kind of knew that something was going on with the overnight markets, but they never had a product to split it. Uh, so now we, they have one, and we're telling our story, and people are fascinated by you know learning about how much of the returns in markets had come from this overnight session compared to the day session. So it's been uh, really intriguing. I know there are a lot of people within the ETF space who are certainly familiar with your background, uh, but for those who aren't, I, I do want to run through this briefly. So you were previously president and chief operating officer at Wisdom Tree for about 10 years. You then sat yep. on their board for over five years, so 15 years altogether. Of course, Wisdom Tree is a, now a major player in ETFs. Prior to that, you were actually with Barclays and involved from the very beginning with the iShares ETFs, what's that entire ride been like? I mean, you've basically been involved with ETFs from the get-go. You, you've watched this industry mushroom over the past couple of decades. Now you're here with these NightShares ETFs. What's this experience been like? It's been a wild ride to watch the growth uh, of, obviously, the product set, but really the use case for the products. Uh, the investors have fallen in love with them over time and developed so many more uses for the products than we had ever envisioned initially. Back when I was at Barclays, we just sort of, you know, thought, hey, the, the retail world is very much under-indexed, and we could, you know, sort of uh, move into that space, but but it's gotten so far beyond that. And, you know, for maybe the first 15 years, there was 20 or less competitors, and then all of a sudden, uh, it's just gone very mainstream. You've seen most of the active guys get into the business, and you're certainly seeing all the innovation in asset management happen in the ETF space. So that's very exciting. No, it's amazing. And of course, Nightshares is right there at the forefront of that innovation. Let's talk about the ETFs. And I thought the best way to do this is let's just take this in pieces. I, I, I first do really want to understand the night effect itself, which you began alluding to earlier. And, and then yeah. we can talk about the, the ETF specifically, just how it is you're attempting to capture the night effect. And then I also want to touch on performance thus far. So I'll just hand this over to you. First, explain the night effect for us. Yeah. So the night effect is simply the historical tendency for much of the return in equity markets to come in the overnight session, which is buying at the close and selling the next morning at the open versus the daytime session, which is the reverse. And very interestingly, this return stream comes with a lot less volatility than the day session. So we actually stumbled on this research. Uh, I was working with uh, our sister company, AlphaTrade, on a hedge fund product, and they showed me these numbers, and I really had to keep sort of pinching myself uh, that this couldn't really be happening. And only then did I learn that 
this has been out there in academia for 20 to 25 years. There have been professors writing about this, uh, some of whom had you know, very aggressive conclusions that you know, the entire equity market risk premium was coming from the overnight session. So when that all sort of lined up, I said, wow, this, is, uh, this, is, this would make for some really interesting ETFs. There's nothing like this on the market. And so that's why we launched our first two uh, in June, and we have plans for others you know, down the road. And if you look at those academic research papers, and I, I have read a couple, but I'd love to have you explain what drives the night effect. Why does this occur? It is fascinating because, you know, there's no one agreed upon reason. I'd say the main reasons are, one, there's a timing of news flow argument that earnings typically are reported when the markets are closed and on balance lead to upward pricing of securities. Uh, the other is that uh, M&A news happens when the market's closed, and that's generally very positive for the markets. So that, that's the, the news effect. And then there's a number of structural things that seem to be there. Uh, one is just an in- institutional de-risking that happens at the end of the day. Um, this can be kind of a almost a, a behavioral thing where institutions have uh, this desire to be in control. And if the markets are closed overnight and they can't trade out of positions. They lose that sense of control, and so they don't like it. And so they tend to flatten at the end of the day. That's certainly uh, something that happens with market-making firms who are sort of playing inside the bid and ask all day, but not in the business of taking overnight risk. And then there's a lot of other structural things that happen around charging of interest, other capital charges for traders, uh, marks to market, things that happen you know, based on the end of the day cycle. And if you don't hold overnight, you avoid them. So those seem to be the main ones. Um, there is one other, actually, that's a very interesting argument, which is that the, the daytime and the nighttime markets both react to macroeconomic news, which makes sense. But it's only in the daytime that you have this investor behavior component with uh, all the day traders and the other market participants causing volatility in the market. That's only a daytime thing. So that's, you know, another explanation for it. That's interesting. No, I always like the behavioral angle. And that one does make sense. And we should also note this night effect. This is not unique to the U.S. stock market, right? This has been observed in something like, what, nearly 25 different countries? Is that right? Yeah, it's it's pretty uh, shockingly universal. Yeah. You don't, I mean, I've been in product development for, you know, 20 years in the ETF world, and you don't really see many things that look like this on paper. And, and you know, I, I just wasn't aware of it. And had I been aware of it at any point along that way, I would have, you know, argued for launching the ETFs. And without getting into specific numbers, so I get that overnight markets have outperformed daytime yep. sessions and there's been lower volatility, but how do overnight markets compare to just owning the market all of the time? Yeah, really good question. So, it depends on where you're looking. So in large cap space around the S&P 500, we found that you were getting over time maybe 75% of the return with about 60% of the volatility. So very much a risk-adjusted return argument for the large cap space. Right? We're not arguing that you should uh, sell all of your you know, buy and hold S&P, um, but to use the night shares as a complement to that. In the case of small caps, it was really fascinating because whether we looked over 5, 10, or 20 years, the daytime return of the Russell 2000 was negative. And so 
you know, 100 plus percent of the return was coming at night. And again, with lower volatility. So that one's a, a, an interesting one where you could have a long term, uh, you know, alpha product, let's call it, um, you know, as a replacement for you know, a, maybe a larger percentage of your Russell 2 holdings. All right. So the two ETFs, the NightShares 500 and the NightShares 2000 ETFs are obviously seeking to capture this night effect. And it's interesting. Over the past several years, I had seen all sorts of discussion and debate around the night effect. I, I saw comments back and forth on, on Twitter. So huge credit to you and, and your team for bringing these ETFs uh, to market. Explain for us exactly how you're getting exposure here. How do you only get exposure at night when the market is closed? Yeah, so we have two funds. They, they sit in uh, cash or treasuries of the short-term duration uh, all the time. And then at the end of the day, very close to 4 o'clock New York, they buy futures. And very close to 9.30 the next morning, they sell out. So uh, the, the fund toggles back and forth between being invested overnight and having a cash-like profile during the day. Okay, so it's interesting because one of the main pushbacks I kept seeing to the night effect was people would say, well, yeah, I agree. This is real. The night effect does exist. The challenge is actually capturing it. And the thought was that transaction costs would eat you alive. It would eat up any alpha. You just described buying uh, futures at the close, selling at the at the market open. How big of a factor are transaction costs here? Yeah, you know, we're going to figure that out over time. But for now, we have not seen them to be a big factor. You know, uh, we one of the, the, the two things about launching night shares was, you know, does the night effect exist and can you capture it? And so far, we're capturing it. Um, we're actually so we measure ourselves against, you know, again, the opening and closing prices of the, the main ETFs. And we're actually ahead uh, of the night effect on the S&P mm. and behind it on the Russell, too. So, you know, we're not finding a huge issue there. I think, you know, a ton of the research was done when trading was very different than it is today, uh, both in terms of commissions, spreads, uh, alternative vehicles. So our goal is to give you the best institutional level execution that we can. And right now that's futures. It could be down the road that we use swaps. Um, but, you know, we're trying to squeeze every last basis point out of that process to the benefit of investors. Yeah. And you mentioned capturing the night effect uh, very efficiently thus far. Let's talk about overall performance. And yep. as I believe you're aware, I sort of uh, inadvertently caused a little bit of a stir a few weeks ago when I tweeted out the performance of your ETFs. Uh, Bloomberg then wrote an article on this. That was certainly not my intention. Uh, but, <laughs> but look, if we're being honest, uh, performance thus far hasn't been great. So I, I pulled the numbers this morning. I show that since launch, NSPY, the S&P 500 version, is down over 4%, while the S&P 500 is up a little over 3%. And NIWM, the small cap uh, version, is down 6%, while the Russell 2000 is up 7%. And you look at those, those are pretty big differences, given that these ETFs just launched two months ago. And, and look, obviously, we're still very early, right? So I, I think it's difficult to draw any broad conclusions. I want to be clear about that. But What's been going on since launch that has caused that substantial performance gap? Yeah. So the night effect works over time. It does not work all the time. And that, you know, that's something we've been running into. Uh, we looked, and it turns out when you come out of a very fairly deep downturn, which we had through the month of June, and then you snap back, which we did 
for the last, let's call it 45 days until maybe recently, um, there tends to be underperformance of the night effect. We have seen that historically. So it's not actually that surprising. Uh, we do, though, think uh, and have seen historically that it tends to mean revert. And so, you know, you've started to see that even in the last few days. Uh, you know, Friday was one of those days where the market opened flat and closed down 3%. It was a, you know, and, and so we avoided that carnage. And it was a good example of um, what happens during the daytime uh, in terms of volatility. Sort of one of the one of the biggest things about the night effect is is really that it calls out how poorly rewarded the day session is, and that's both in return and volatility. And what we found is that there are many more you know left tailed events that happen in the day, left tail being you know defined as substantially down. And so like you know Friday was a three percent down day on the back of the Fed's talk. You very rarely see a three percent down night. Uh, unless, you know, certainly if, you know, Russia goes into Ukraine or something like that, you might see it. But but it takes usually um, something much more extreme in the night because you're not getting that sort of investors selling, feeding other investors selling that you get during the day session. Yeah, and it was interesting because when I ran the numbers this morning, to your point, so obviously the market shot up from about, what, late June or so, uh, you know, into August, and then we've since had a down move. But here over the past, you know, couple of weeks, as we've seen stocks move down, that performance gap, that performance differential between your ETFs and then, you know, sort of the underlying benchmark has shrunk and, you know, meaningfully mm-hmm. so. So it'll be interesting watching that going forward. Let, let me ask you this. One of the other arguments that I've heard uh, around these ETFs, and this has been around forever, I, I think pertaining to all types of strategy, is that if, this alpha truly exists, it'll ultimately get arbitraged away. And now that you've packaged this strategy into an ETF that actually contributes to, to the arbitrage, a- any quick thoughts on that? Our sense is it would take an, a very large amount of capital for that to happen. That just hasn't happened yet. You know, until the New York Stock Exchange and the other exchanges start changing their hours substantially, you know, there is this cycle to the market that all those behavioral things we talked about earlier and all those structural things, you know, sort of are, you know, based on this 930 to 4 session. So, you know, um, this has been around for a while. We know some people trade it, some hedge funds trade it, and it still has not been barbed away yet. So our sense is it takes quite a lot of capital. Um, but, you know, we'd only be guessing at kind of what that number is. Bruce, just about a minute left before I let you go. I, I received a really good question from Twitter, which was whether you've considered launching a day share version. And as I thought about this, you know, that would actually be a decent hedge on your business overall. Now, I know you mentioned how poor the day session is historically, yeah. but is that something that you might consider? You know, it's interesting. Uh, we have thought about it, and you know, but more as a tactical tool for the market than a long-term play. And, and and these can be tactical tools, right? They are the only products like this that toggle back and forth. And so there is some some sense to that. Um, the next one out of the gate is actually likely to be one that uh, leverages up the night session a little bit more, but also participates in the day session. So stay tuned for that one. Um, but yeah, we'll see how this all evolves. 
Well, again, I'm just really intrigued by these ETFs and, and the night effect overall. Congratulations again on getting these to uh, market. Certainly wish you the best of luck. Thank you for joining me this week. Thank you, Nate. Appreciate it. That was Bruce Levine, CEO of Nightshares.